I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 66 of Season 6 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is John Parker of the Bat Minute. Welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like I had to say that. Hello. Okay, that's a good way to do it. Hee-haw, hello. Is your name Sam Wainwright? Or that is my real name. My my podcasting name is John Parker. It's a forgery. It's a fake. I'm a liar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's no skin off my nose. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for so, inviting me. This is uh, it's my first time on the show. Um, yes, it is. I I have despite we said off mic that I I've only had time to listen to one episode of this season, but I've I've heard other episodes from previous seasons so Ooh. it's exciting to be to be on well I'm, I'm glad that you were able to find the time to and that we were both able to find the time for us to, to record this um, yeah i'm very glad I've, I've had your partner in crime on uh twice already <laughs> for for you know last season and this season so you know it's 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 good to to, to get the other half on also just don't so. get us together it's a nightmare no i, I won't <laughs> I do my best. I, I I do my best to try to have one guest, not not multiple guests at the same time. I mean, anyone who listened to the episodes last week will hear that I had two, and it made things a little bit more complicated. But you know, I'm, I'm sure everyone already knows about that. So I, I don't once, need to go back. Once we had me, Niall, and three guests. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> that was uh, it, it was tough, but at the same time, I learned halfway through recording. I can just sit here like drinking coffee and let let them talk. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but don't you want to be a part of the conversation? Yeah, but it's also it's like a private podcast sometimes, just for you, and you can enjoy it that way. Like, oh. ah, okay. Hey, if that works, you mean you get to listen in on the unedited version? Yeah, exactly. Okay, that that makes sense. I, I didn't think about it from that uh, perspective. Um, I don't know. I. I I, I like to be an active participant. Let's put it that way. I mean, I've, I was on a lot of episodes of The Lamb where sometimes we had six or seven people. We even had one where we had like 100 people on and off what? throughout the course of three hours. Uh, yeah, it was it was very interesting. It was I think it was the 500th episode of The Lamb where they did where Jay did that. Um, it was maybe it was the 400th episode. I, I don't remember. It was it was a few years ago. It was very interesting and it was great. And then they when we did the farewell. Thing to Jay, we also had like 100 people on. Everyone had like their own segments. Hey. Uh, so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But That's I, I don't an think... awesome idea. I'm into that as like a special. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think the most I've been on is like six people in a conversation. You know, that type of thing. Which, Not easy. Uh, which, which can be fun. I mean, you have to be the right person to be uh, uh, wrangling everything, you know, being the, the host. Uh, but. Uh, you know, you don't you don't want to be one of those people where you feel as if you're not contributing and you're just sitting in the corner like like uh, John likes to do drinking his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not like when you are forced to do like a Microsoft Teams meeting with your work and uh, you you don't want to contribute. And at the very end, that's right. Is at the very end, you say thanks everybody, and then they that's think right. in their mind, oh, you contributed. <laughs> that's right. You you start off by at the beginning by saying hi everyone, and then at the end, yeah. thank you everybody. And there you go. You've You've been a part of it. Meanwhile, you know you're 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 playing some video game on on the other screen at the same time throughout the have entire. Have you been watching uh, me? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> That's almost exactly what I do. Because to be fair, I'm not going to say who I work for here because I don't get in trouble. But my boss says that to me. He's like, "Look, there's this meeting we all have to be on, but it's pointless. Just just like watch Netflix or something." <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> hey, if he's willing to let you do that, then that's good. 
yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, I, what I try to do when I'm in those type, when I'm in those type of uh, meetings is, you know, I'm, I'm actively looking at another screen. You know, sometimes my boss will, will write me uh, a message by WhatsApp in the middle and say, uh, uh, why don't you pay a little more attention? Oh. People see what you're doing. You know, or people see that you're doing something else. Let's put it that way. And I'm like, well, I don't have anything to con- contribute anyway. You know, I might as well get they, they want I might you to get pretend, work done. though. You know. Yeah, but I'm I'm trying to actually get work done at the same time. <laughs> That's where, you know these these meetings interfere with work. That's the know. thing. The people who do these meetings, they're not actually interested in work. That's not what it's about. It's about right. appearances. That's right. I completely agree with you on that, and that's part of the problem for us. You know, when when we want to have these type of conversations, these are ones we want to have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So why don't you first tell people what what's your background with the movie It's a Wonderful Life? If you have well, one. I do indeed. I do. Um, I'm going to keep it sort of short because I'm going to revisit some of this stuff later in the week, which will make sense. Um, but basically, my my ex partner. Um, we were together for like 15 years and um, every Christmas her family would take us to watch It's a Wonderful Life. I, I didn't grow up watching this movie. So um, I think I first watched it. I would have been with them. I think I was about 22 or so. Um, but it's on every Christmas here in Liverpool. And they would take me every year. And at first, because I was being a bit of a a young snob let's say i was like oh i don't want to go see some old christmas movie oh that's gonna that's gonna suck that's gonna be so boring and there's no batman in it and there's no batman in it right it's gonna it's not gonna be exciting instantly thought oh that was great that was that was like and so then every year i looked forward to it more and more and more so the last couple of years since we've uh, separated it's been a bit weird it's been like oh i I felt odd watching it so it was a it was very good to be asked to do this because it was it was a great excuse to make myself watch it again and enjoy it again in a new way. Did you and feel like you were cheating by watching it? My connection to the film, you know. Did, did you feel like you were cheating by watching it? Ah, uh, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I felt a little naughty. <laughs> okay. No, it was it was great because now now I've done it for this. I'm like, oh, I can go back to watching this yearly again now. You know, it's sort of broken that um, that strange feeling. And um, no, it, instantly as soon as I watched this, I I sort of regretted not seeing it as a kid but then again as a kid i probably wouldn't have been into it you know i I wouldn't have really understood the themes and and things like that well that's one of the things i love about when you see a movie as a kid you you see things from a certain perspective and then as you get older when you when you rewatch it you see it in other you know in in newer eyes in different eyes yeah that type of thing which is why like on my on my website when i review movies i will review movies more you know numerous times because i i don't care because i know that every time i watch the movie i'm going to notice something different you know like i've seen i've seen return of the jedi 70 something times and i think on my website i've re- i've reviewed it maybe 15 times or 16 times something like hey. that over the last 10 years you know and I mean, I, each time i support that <laughs> see that's my favorite movie of all time is it and really people always wow. People always think that's a weird one. Everyone likes Empire. It's like, well, I think Jedi's got the highest highs. It's got the the, it's got the some lows as well. Don't get me wrong. It's not you know, there's a lot. There's stuff to criticize. It's also got one of the worst acted scenes of all time, I think. Uh, (laughs) But it's my favorite movie. It's got the darkest bits of Star Wars. It's got the lightest bits of Star. It's got everything. Yeah. Wait. Wait. How old were you when you saw it? Uh, uh, I was like three. You saw it in the theater. no, no. Um, okay. See, see, I was I was nine when it came out, and I saw it seventeen times in the theater. I, I mean, yeah. I am thirty-seven, so I don't even think was I alive when it came. I wouldn't have been alive. Um, <laughs> no, you weren't. No. <laughs> you weren't. Uh, <laughs> um, so no, but I, my parents bought me the the VHS of like all of them when I was like three years old. I'm just like, ah, oh, put this on. This will keep them quiet. <laughs> and then you say, oh, look at those, then, look yeah. at those cuddly, cuddly little Ewoks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you've got the Ewoks, which I, I love. I have no problem with them. But then you've got the Emperor. And it's like, oh, that what a shift in tone. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's um, similar here. Like, uh, if I saw this as a kid, I don't know what I would think of this. Because to me, seeing this as an adult, it's it's quite explicitly, it's like a working class movie with working class themes. It's like sort of anti-capitalist. And um, 
I don't think kids really connect with that. (laughs) Well, of course not. You know. (laughs) Yeah. The question is, I'm I'm curious what what kids think of this movie. Now that now that I think about it, you know, it's like because I I saw this the first time when I was a teenager. Hmm. Um, I must have been probably around 15 or 16 when it was the first time I saw this movie, and I've I've always loved it. But I'm wondering if kids will understand the whole aspect of, you know, the frustration of the character and and uh, the attempted suicide and you know yeah. that the, the idea of an angel, like all these different things. Hmm. Interesting. And, and not like a normal idea of an angel. It's a very different. I, I don't want to say the word realistic because that sounds a bit strange. We're talking about a supernatural entity. But if if it's a down to earth, it's a down to earth uh, perspective of an angel. Yeah. Yeah. Not what I was expecting. The first time I was, I was dreading that character when he first popped up because I was thinking, oh God, all of these old movies always have one character that angers me. That's just silly and it's not funny anymore. Like the humor doesn't work, but he still holds up, I think. Okay. That's Clarence for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think, I think it's, it's like um, Bride of Frankenstein, is it? Where there's that, there's that one character. It's a woman who's like the comedy relief and that movie's near perfect, but oh god damn it, she angers me. <laughs> She's not funny; it doesn't work. <laughs> okay, makes sense. All right, so episode sixty-six begins with Sam Wainwright showing up and ends with the rent collector explaining the situation. So we basically ended things on Friday with the martinis uh, about to go. Uh, they're moving towards their their new home. Yeah, and this this minute begins with them actually arriving at their home, and then we see George and Mary standing outside of the you know of this this brand new home that the Martinis have built, and then we 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 get a a shot, uh, and we ended things on Friday with them saying, "Mr. and Mrs. Martini, welcome home." Oh, what a nice you know. way to end the minute. Yes, it was. We 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 did a nice job ending that on Friday. And so when you look at the way things continue today, so the, 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 the scene basically opens up, the minute opens up with Sam Wainwright standing by his car. And he turns to the woman next to him and goes, good old George, he's always making a speech. Now, we, Is we, he? Does he really make that? I'm trying to think throughout the movie. He does a no. couple of speeches, I suppose. But, no, but he knows not. him better than us, the viewer. He's his friend, you know. Correct. No, but I, I, I guess the question is, is, you know, is George the guy on the soapbox? You know, is he the one always talking about other people? He's not because he's the guy who wants to travel the world. Those are the speeches he makes. He doesn't make speeches saying, I want to help out the, you know, the, the, the little fella. I mean, that's what he does in reality, but he doesn't make speeches about it. His speeches yeah, are all about wanting to get out of here. You know, it's I don't an want interesting to character in that sense because he he wants to live for himself and be a little bit I don't mean this in a negative way a little bit selfish he wants to do something for him but he he can't he feels drawn to helping others so it's quite well, that's quite fascinating it's like but you need to do something for yourself for once man come on that's true but but part of the thing also is, is it's very funny uh, you, you say he wants to do something selfish for himself but it's not really for himself because his ideas are to help out the world. That's true. Yeah. You know, he, he does want to become an engineer. He wants to build skyscrapers and, and uh, bridges and, you know, all these other things that he talks about that he wants to, to, to build, but he's not building them for, for, for George Bailey. He's building for the little people. His, his problem, George's problem throughout the entire movie is not the fact that he doesn't want to help others. It's that he feels that working in a, in the building alone is belittling to him because you know he he feels that he can help more yeah he's got grander ambitions not for him as you say maybe for for the wider world like that's right my and he did, could help be helping many more people correct and and i mean that's part of the whole point of this movie to show that that you know that he thinks that he's not helping with what he's doing but he's actually helping in some ways he's he's perhaps helping more than yeah. if he were to be in the big world you know, doing everything. Well, yeah, because what would become of these people? 
Really? That's right. Well, um, well, we we see what becomes of them if he's not. Dead. Yes, yes, that that we find out in the in in the uh, you know the Biff Tannen future that we yeah. that, that we uh, that we get later on. In, I think I, that was I, the the first time I watched this. That was the first thought I had. I was like, "Hang on, this is like Back to the Future," or more correctly, Back to the Future is like this. Yeah, exactly. But but again, if if you saw Back to the Future Part Two first, which I did also, you know, so that that's what you think. You look at this movie and you're like, "Hey, Pottersville <laughs> is is." Uh, I'm trying to remember what 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 the name. Yeah. Of, did it, did they change the name of of the the town? I'm really, you would think I would know. I've seen that movie eight thousand times. So have I. I, I. You know, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of what 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 the name of it is. Um, Let's just call it Tannenville. It's probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's really weird. I can't believe I can't remember that either. No. Same. Same. But it's the. You know, you have it's I, I okay. It's called vibe, it's called Hill Valley. Okay. It is oh, Hill, it's Valley. Just Hill Valley. But the question is, is in Back to the Future, does it change? Did they change the name? To something. Hmm. Let's, let's call it Biff Valley. Then. <laughs> nah, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, I do get the impression, though, that maybe making that film, they, they did watch this and were like, OK, let's make a kind of a funny and super dark version. Let's take it to another level. Correct. Because it, it feels very inspired by it. It's not just like a little bit like this, the same concept. It's like, no, no, no. It's basically the exact same. Just even more depressing which is more depressing here or there i think back to the future because it's he's, it's it's ruled by a full-on he's not just an evil he's like a, a fascist basically he gets away with like killing people and things it's like really like oh I know Wait, again, you bad, don't think you don't think potter would do that i think he he might he might but we don't see that fully realized do we it doesn't go to that level it might hint at it correct but but we we do see the the way that the, I mean, we're, we're jumping way ahead, but but we do, <laughs> do see the the difference in in uh, in in the way that Bedford Falls looks. You know, there's, yeah. there's you know, even even Bert the cop, uh, you know, starts uh, you know he's just shooting for no reason. You know, he's got he's got instructions to to shoot anyone who uh, you know That's causes true. problems, like you know, like like touching the librarian. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah. that's a big I mean, no-no. <laughs> you deserve punishment for that. Apparently, apparently, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically, Sam, Sam, and his wife, who we will find out later, her name is Jane, uh, are sitting there, or she's sitting in the car, and he's sitting outside of the car, and they're they're looking over at the spectacle that's going on in in Bailey Park, and you know, I, I never thought about this before, but but Sam Wainwright has has a chauffeur. Yeah. I found that really strange because it does imply this is his car, right? It's not like a taxi. That's correct. And not just that, it implies that Sam has really, really struck it big. And we're just talking a few months after he had his conversation with, with George and Mary, you know, telling them to, to, you know, that, that, that he's going to let him in on the, on the, on the ground floor. Yeah. So it's, it's very strange, you know, because, uh, well, we don't know the exact timeline of this whole thing. We know that that the you know Harry came home and it was 1932. All right, and that that was the night where he went to go see Mary. So that was still 1932. Then we saw their wedding, and then now. So I'm assuming that this is already 1933, maybe the beginning of 1934. You know, not much, not much later than that. So we're still talking uh, maybe within a year, a year and a half. That all this is happening well that that I, I i've got more to say on that um tomorrow actually but it is interesting to see it doesn't go overboard with making a point of it like it doesn't go there isn't a two characters having a conversation saying oh how amazing he struck it rich you know and all. it's like no 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 you've got to pay attention that's like, right you, you you can see he's doing well you can hear he's doing well without it being shoved in your face that's much more interesting to me that's right. Well, I mean, I, I talked about this at the, in, in the first weeks. I, I listened to the commentary of this movie from uh, there's a professor named Janine Bassinger. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she talks about there is the fact that Capra is a very visual director, meaning that yeah. there are things that go on in the story that he shows us and doesn't tell us. And if you're not watching and paying attention, you're not going to notice them. You know, for instance, the whole idea of uh, Mr. Gower's son. 
you know, he shows us the telegram that we have to read ourselves. Yeah. You know, he shows us that Mr. Gower is sitting there looking at a picture. So therefore we know, we, we now know to infer that this is his son who's mentioned in the, in the, uh, in the telegram, you know, and throughout the movie, there are a whole bunch of little subtle hints. And this is another one, you know, where you have to pay attention to what's going on. You know, Sam tells them, I have this great idea. And then, as you said, the next thing you see him, you know, in a, in a nice suit and we'll, we'll see, you know, how his wife is dressed. Uh, that already says something also. And the fact that he has yeah. this brand new car and he has, you know, a chauffeur and all that stuff. So that's it, the craziest it, thing to me. Cause like even back then that, that must've been like a very expensive, he's got a driver. That's right. That's crazy. What? <laughs> Correct. So do you, th- uh, wh- where do you think the, the term chauffeur comes from? That's an excellent question. Like, like the, I, I, obviously it's a French word, but I don't know where it um, originates. I can't think of the, uh, uh, I don't know. Okay, so it, it is a French word, but in the French word means stoker. Oh. Okay, because the early uh, cars were steam powered. Oh, so like stoking a, a fire. That's right. Yeah. So the, the the driver needed to stoke the engine, you know, by by I guess turning the the propeller type of thing. You know, they used to have those yeah. those cars where you have to crank them to to start it. I love seeing people in movies like use that, that weird little crank. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it looks hilarious. <laughs> yes. So cars I mean, had basically, much more style back then. They were much classier. That's right. And the chauffeur, his job was to deal with uh, maintenance and cleaning, which is, I guess, why we always see in movies the chauffeur, you know, uh, waxing the uh, the car. <laughs> and, you know, they, they need to be able to, to, to fix any mechanical issues, including, uh, you know, changing tires that, 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 that get punctured along the way and things like that. Because uh, apparently... Whenever it, whenever apparently it comes to in, these old-fashioned tires, I just think of The Simpsons, though, because... Mr. Mr. Burns has a very ancient looking car that's a bit like, well, it's not even one of these. It's older than one of these. It's more like the one with the crank. And that's he, right. Uh, he pulls up to the, the gas station and he's like, um, what's his exact words? He's like, uh, you there, fill her up with petroleum distillate and revulcanize my tires post haste. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I found that there was an article in 1906 in the New York Times about uh, chauffeurs. You know, and they were talking there about the the problems that people were having with, uh, you know, with, with having to find someone to become their chauffeur. Um, and, it, you know, it happens to do with, uh, you know, most of these people didn't want to drive themselves. So was, was that seen as like lower class to do that? That's correct. That's right. And basically, you know, the. The, the prices of what they would pay chauffeurs in 1906 was just crazy. You know, I, I, I can't believe that, that, uh, that the amount. They said that, that uh, here, the chauffeur problem today is one of the most serious that the automobilist has to deal with and complained that young men of no particular ability who had been earning from 10 to $12 a week. Okay, so let's first say how much $10 was in 1906. That's got to be quite a good wage, I would think. You know what? I looked in the inflation calculator, and it doesn't even go back that far. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to have a little bit of trouble getting the information about that one. I I wonder what year it starts in. uh, But thinking about it, that's got to be quite good. Like, um, because I know people, you know, in England in like the 60s, if if you got that kind of money, that was like, that was good. You know, yeah, you but wait a right. second. That's that's even before. That's that's yeah. the price before these people got these jobs. And then it says, so these people who are earning ten to twelve dollars a week are suddenly elevated to salaried positions, paying between twenty five and fifty dollars a week. Oh, whoa, no, that they must have been rich, rolling in it. <laughs> like, why would they want to work for for you know? Why would they want to work as a chauffeur when they're making that kind of money? I mean, that, yeah. okay, the the farthest I can go back is nineteen fifteen. So ten dollars in nineteen fifteen is worth three hundred and four dollars today. Okay, so that's and that was week. the standard thing. And again, this is ten years after what we're talking about here. Now, if we're talking about fifty dollars, they were making that means it's on today's uh, exchange rate, it's fifteen hundred dollars that they were making a week. That, what, what? What? Why are there <laughs> not more people who were chauffeurs? 
this is isn't it amazing that people used to be able to you know support themselves with a job (laughs) (laughs) that's it's not so easy these days you know yeah that's just crazy oh that's wild i wish i used to work for the well i work now for the government and they don't give me that (laughs) yeah no no, i don't i don't think i don't think very very few people make that type of money (laughs) but that's just that's just crazy i mean it's crazy the inflation calendar doesn't go back calculator doesn't go back that far but but still you know (laughs) you know we're we're talking 10 years later it was 1500 dollars. that's just crazy that that is whoa so again it, it shows you know the 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 wealth here what's happening the he's on an upward swing that's right wow yeah the, these are these are crazy so yeah <laughs> ba- basically you know sam wainwright is is quite wealthy and you know we'll, we'll find out what george thinks about that uh, as the the week goes on <laughs> oh you know and then after he screams out and and starts telling him hee-haw so george looks over and goes oh sam wainwright and you're not really sure about his his tone here as yeah. to whether he's happy that Sam is there or not. You I know? think I think he is happy in a way, but he's all it's also a reminder that he could have gone and, you know, right. made money. And even though he's having this happy moment, you know, he's he's handing this home over. That's right. It's and it's also a bit of a you know, rub and salt in the wound kind of thing. That's right. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I was and, very taken by the sight of that salt. Because it's Irish right. table salt. Like, oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I assume it's from the Irish Sea? Uh, probably. I've not heard of Irish table salt. I don't know. I haven't either. And, I mean, I love how Mary just turns to him and goes, oh, who cares? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she is a voice of reason. She's just like, oh, what are you complaining about? Come on. <laughs> That's right. And she, you know, at this point decides that she's going to be giving over some housewarming gifts. So then, you know, she turns to the martinis and goes, bread, that this house may never know hunger, salt, that life may always have flavor. I guess Irish salt flavor. You should have Irish flavor here, I guess. (laughs) Actually, isn't Irish flavor like booze? (laughs) Uh, You know, it's a stereotype, but also it is kind of true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And wine. That joy and prosperity may reign forever. What Enter the martini gifts. Imagine buying a place these days and getting anything off anyone. That's right. <laughs> you get nothing. I bought this house I'm in now, and I had I, like there was a washing machine still here, and the the person, the landlord, because it used to be rented out. The landlord I was buying it off said, "Oh, you can have all the stuff that's there if you want. It'll be two hundred pounds." I was like, oh, "Can't you just leave it? You're not going to take it." <laughs> That's right. Now, they get a bottle you, of wine. That's right. They get a bottle of wine. Did you notice, though, that that as Mary is talking, you see George's eyes darting back and forth between the martinis and presumably Sam? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's uh, he's a little perturbed. He's there. It's thrown him off his game a little bit. Yeah. He was feeling good. And now that's weirdly right. seeing his friend, he's not feeling good. Right. And then, and I think that's the reason why he actually then takes the bottle of wine and gives them the wine and says, and wine, the joy and prosperity may reign forever. Yeah. Enter the Martini Castle. I think he wants to feel uh, more important. Yeah. Like this is, this is my moment. He wants his friend to see him like presiding over these uh, festivities, doesn't he? Like, no, look, I am gifting people things because I'm doing well. That's right. And so do, is, is the bread thing, because I, I love that she gives them these, but is is that like an American tradition or are they? Just, okay, are, are I they was just, just about to. I was just you jumped ahead on me on that one just oh. slightly. No, that's OK. It's fine. It's perfectly OK, John. Uh, so I was going to ask you if you know where the idea of bread and salt comes from. Ah, right. No, no. Um, I mean, maybe that used to be a thing in England. I don't know. Um, but it's certainly not now. Okay, so the exchange of bread and salt as a sign of hospitality is common in many cultures. Um, and many places that give bread and salt as a housewarming gift uh, in, in Russia, they used to do this, and in Germany. Uh, okay. And it's actually a uh, feature of Jewish housewarming traditions. Ah. Uh, because, I mean, uh, as, as a Jew, I can say that, that 
you know, every Friday night when, when we, you know, have our festive meal. So you always have bread and salt for, for some of these same reasons. Okay. Okay. You know, and, and we also well, have wine. <laughs> so well, there you I go. Mean, that's the, that's the, to me, that's the Trinity. That's all you need, really. If it's good bread. I don't know if Trinity is the right really term to be using when talking about Jews, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a, a accidental. Uh, well, I, can, I can say I can use all the words as a, as someone with no religion. I can I can co-opt it all. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. I just thought it was very funny. I'm not I'm no, not offended it is. by like, it. To me, that's all you need, right? Good, that's if it's right. good bread. I mean, maybe some butter or something. You don't. I can just sit and eat that. Well, I think that's part of the idea. Yeah. You know that that oh. uh, you know that these these are these are staples that that one needs in order to survive. And to be I, prosperous, I, love, I guess. I love the symbolism. I think it's great. Like yeah. I, 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 I'm going to find out if England used to do this, and if we did, I'm bringing it back. I think it needs to come back. This is awesome. Right. I mean, I, I saw that there, there were homeless children cultures. They have different types of housewarming and stuff like that. It doesn't mention here anything about uh, England. Sorry. Mm. You know, just just the uh, colonies. <laughs> we are. We we tend to be miserable people. So we don't like to give anyone anything. <laughs> you don't want to see your neighbors. You, you, your task most days is to try and avoid them. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> so in in Greece, people give uh, pomegranates as a as a housewarming gift. Nice, because it was considered the fruit of the dead, oh, and oh, it had strong oh. connections to marriage and wealth, and featured in the myth of uh, Persephone. Okay, see, I I love pomegranates. I used I used to live in Cyprus, so I could oh, uh, wow. you know get them get them there quite easily. Um, yeah, well, we have them here I, in Israel. Uh, we, we have we have them a lot also. <laughs> lovely, but aren't they really like complicated? They're fiddly. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, just, you've got no. to do stuff to. It's like oh, I just want to bite it like an apple. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> no, but but the whole idea is you need to to you know you need to how to know how to open it and get on all the yeah. the. The, the seats, you know, that's what it comes down to. It's messy. But when, that's what it comes down to. But when you're like a, a six-year-old kid stealing them off trees and things, um, you know, you, you don't want to be doing that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, there were there were places in Europe and America where they would give pineapples as a housewarming gift. Was because that it was, because it was expensive and hard to get? Yes, it was. Aha, there you go. That's right. Isn't isn't that kind of strange to us to to think about these days where it's quite easy to just sort of get whatever you want whenever you want, but obtaining a pineapple that was like a challenge. And yes. That was like a really like exotic fan. It's probably very expensive. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's true. I think we're we're ruined these days. Like I could just go down to the the shop right now and get a pineapple. It's like, that's oh, right. Okay, that's that's right. And most, and most fruits and vegetables you can get all around the year. You know, you just have to yeah. pay a little more to get them. You know, it's not as if things are are completely seasonal. No, and I, I actually think there's a beauty to the seasonal thing. It makes you try more. It makes you sample new things because, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's what you get now. So that's what I'm going to give. You know, I'm going to try and make a nice dish out of this. Right. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Did you notice that the martinis cross themselves as they get each of these gifts? Yes, yes. That's very um that's very sweet of them. They're like oh it's like oh bless you kind of a thing. Is it like, bless you, you or is it or is it basically thanking uh someone up above? Oh uh, that's good. Well, I suppose it could be both really. It could be like they're thanking God for sending George with these gifts if you know what I mean. Like it, right. they're all connected these concepts, aren't they? Right. Exactly. And as this happens, uh, you know, the, 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 we get a screen wipe and uh, we're, we're thrown into Potter's office. Oh, and we, we have uh, that's right. We have someone speaking to Potter and I could not find out this actor's name because mm. uh, even in the on IMDb under the uncredited there, there are so many people that don't have real explanations as to who they are. We don't have someone that's like the rent collector or something like that. So if anyone out yeah. there is able to figure out who this this actor is, uh, feel free to let me know because there are so many uncredited actors here. You know, there are a few that just have a first name. I don't really know, uh, you know, which one that could be. 
and stuff like that. Yeah, back in this era, they didn't have they didn't have the, the sort of established system for these kind of things, did they? They were just like, ah, oh, just put your friends in it. Who cares? They didn't keep a log. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And people, I guess the guy said, okay, I got my, uh, you know, 50 bucks for the day. And that was it. You know, like they didn't really care yeah. afterwards. Uh, probably, you know, probably about cash in hand, you know, it wasn't done. There. <laughs> it wasn't well, done they never bored. Maybe <laughs> they never thought that there was going to be an IMDb where, you know, you can go and no. see everything where these people are, uh, you know how many? Maybe it's a nervous banker. I don't know. <laughs> that's the closest. That's, that why I can... I, that's why I like doing minute by minute as well, because there was never, ever, ever a time where anyone would have thought with movies people are going to analyze it this deeply. So you that's see a... random things that you. That I imagine the filmmakers will just like, I just leave that in. It's fine. No one will notice. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I mean, I I found so many fun things over the last six seasons that that are things that. <laughs> You know, we we found in in the Great Escape, we found that 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 somebody was 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 carrying a guitar, <laughs> and someone else someone else. There was another mus- musical uh, instrument that we found that they later used when they were creating the the booze. I'm trying to remember what Amazing. it was. Yeah, it was like. Oh wait a second, that's the the, the tuba or whatever. I don't again, I don't remember what. It was. And it was just like it was amazing. That's the funniest thing to me though is people say to me like, "Oh, you must remember everything about Batman, right? Because you've analyzed it so much." And I'm like, "No, because I'm analyzing them all so much, I forget it all." That's right, because there's so much more to know. Yeah, I forget everything I've spoken about on the show. Okay, so here we are back in uh, Potter's office, and you know, the, there's a man standing next to him. Uh, across the desk from him, and he goes, look, Mr. Potter, it's no skin off my nose. I'm just your little rent collector, but you can't laugh off this Bailey Park anymore. Look at it. And then, uh, you know, he, he has a big map in front of him showing different things and stuff like that. You know, it's 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 a very interesting, it's interesting to see someone else in this movie sort of stand up to Potter. I really like this character. Actually, I actually wish he was in it a bit more, because yes, he's fascinating in that he he is obviously yeah he's a rent collector as you say so he's he's part of the this landlord system so he he's not a, a truly like great man of the people but even he is like you know they, this isn't working like right. you're you're gonna have a problem here you know what what are you gonna do about this otherwise we're screwed and sure. in fact it, you know jump I might be jumping ahead a little bit he, he threatens to walk yeah yeah. <laughs> You know, and and uh, basically, you know, as as they're talking, we hear a buzz. They're interrupted by the intercom, and we hear a woman on the intercom say, "Congressman Blacks is here to see you, sir." And then Potter goes, "Oh, tell the congressman to wait." And then he turns to him and says, "Go on." So this establishes once again, you know, something we were talking about earlier, but the 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 way that that they subtly tell us things in this movie, you know, he's basically showing how powerful a man he is. That even yeah. a congressman has to sit and wait. Yeah, that's the thing. See, this is I don't want to turn it into a political discussion, but again, it's 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 really I'm shocked how much it like really is against landlordism and capitalism. This film, it's like I, I'm surprised they got away with it uh, and didn't get in trouble. In fact, no, hang on. Didn't they get in a bit of trouble? Like, I'm sure got, it got called like a communist movie. <laughs> yes, it got called a communist movie, but they, they got away with a lot here because, you know, this was one of the few movies during the the age of you know, of, of the, the Breen era, era where, you know, they, they actually had a character who was able to get away with doing something. You know, he was able to, he, he was able to get away with doing the crime. You know, at the end of this yeah. movie, nobody catches, you know, the fact that Potter stole the money. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It, it really goes to great lengths to show that he's just the worst of the worst, isn't he? He's like the lowest of the low. That's right. It, in any other movie, it might come across a bit cartoony, but it works in this. That's right. So because I, of the subtleties you've mentioned, like those subtleties, they they make it real. Yes, I I think you're right about that. So the name Blatz, have you ever heard that before? I've sounds familiar. I don't know. Okay, so I actually found uh, a few people whose last names were Blatz, and you know I don't think any of them are really connected to anything that happens in this movie but then uh, this is something connected to you there is an american punk rock band that was formed in 1989 that were named black that Uh, might be why it sounds familiar 
Yeah, um, they they perform together with uh, you know Operation Ivy, Filth, Green Day, things like that. They they, they came ah, out. Ah, there you go. Yeah, they were part of the Gilman Street Project scene, uh, which probably means more to you than it means to me. That phrase. Yeah, yeah that's um, that's where all those bands sort of came up in the early, well, late eighties, early nineties. You know, like your Green Days and stuff. Because people might make fun of Green Day now being a big stadium band, but they, you know, love them or hate them, they started out at the bottom. Right. Well, most people start off at the bottom. <laughs> you gotta work your way up. No, but I mean, they <laughs> uh, these days they bloody don't. These days you just need a record label to back you, and there you go. They make you a star overnight. But you start but, off no, at Green the bottom. Day actually, Green Day started out hitting small little clubs and things like that. So you got to respect them for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So, and then the the third thing that I found with Blatz is is that Blatz was a uh, beer brewing company in America. Mm-hmm. And they produced beer from 1851 to 1959. And then they were, they were sold to Pabst, uh, to Pabst. So yeah. what's very interesting is it's very possible that there is some sort of connection here. You know, that basically they're, they're, they're making a joke about the fact that, you know, this uh, congressman is somehow connected to, you know, the, the uh, booze industry, which... Uh... What was going on in, in around this time? Again, we don't know the exact year of of this uh, of this scene. You know, maybe it's 1932, maybe it's 1933. But what was going on at that time in America when it comes to uh, drinking? Anything you can think of? I mean, I can think of. Would that be prohibition? That was still prohibition. Yeah, right. Prohibition ended in 1933 on December 5th, 1933. So again, I don't oh. know. I don't know how close this scene is to that or not, you know, but my assumption is, is that it's very close. You know, even if it's, even if this, this scene takes place, you know, in the beginning of 1934, this is right afterwards. So, you know, in some yeah. ways, I think it's a, it's, it's sort of a, a way for them to, to, you know, to emphasize the, the whole idea of, of drinking. This isn't the first time in this movie that, you know, prohibition has come up. Uh, you know, we we talked about the fact that Harry wanted to to, to you know he wanted to drink uh, I think it was gin at the uh, at yeah. his graduation party and his father told him you know no drinking. Well, Uncle Billy was drinking uh, you know when they had to run on the bank. Well, and I wonder if there's a connection because the, I mean literally the previous scene from this George hands over wine. Yeah, that's right. I wonder if there's some kind of a a message going on here. I'm going to have to deep dive on this in my head because <laughs> <laughs> it's contrasting the two, you know? Right. So, I mean, according to what I found that uh, during prohibition, Blatt's produced non-alcoholic beverages such as malt soaps, sodas, and near beer. Oh, okay. Okay. And then in 1933, once the prohibition ended, they were given permission to resume brewing beer. It's such a wild concept. I live in a country that's drunk 24 hours a day. So to me, I, I probably, <laughs> oh my lord. Well, apparently it, it it was it's a foreign concept to a lot of people because uh, you know a lot of people were against it, which is why it, it, I'm, it I'm ended. I'm still amazed it happened. <laughs> well, that's the way it is. <laughs> Again, it happened, and then people realized their mistake. So yeah, you sort of have to give them uh, something about that. I mean, yeah, you could say they tried it, realized it was stupid, and quite swiftly changed back. <laughs> I, I don't know if there is 13 years uh, or 14 years considered swift. I don't know. I would say in the in the grand scheme of society and politics and culture, I, that that's pretty quick. Okay. All right. That's plus, plus, everyone was drinking anyway. That's there true. Was no point. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> right. Okay. And and then uh, you know Potter turns back to to the to the rent collector and says, "Go on." He goes, 15 years ago, half a dozen houses stuck here and there. There's there's that old cemetery, squirrels, butterflies, buttercups, daisies. I used to hunt rabbits there myself. Look at it today. Dozens of the prettiest little homes you ever saw. 90% owned by suckers who used to pay rent to you. Your Potter's Field, my dear Mr. Employer, is becoming just that. And are the local yokels? And then he gets cut off at the end of this minute. <laughs> I mean, I, I I love the fact that he, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier in this minute that you really like this character and you wish we saw more of him. I, I definitely agree with you on that. You know, this is this is a guy who, 
who knows what's going on. He he can see that as powerful as as Potter is, Bailey is finding a way to become even more uh, popular and powerful. Yeah, yeah. He sees the power in the people. It's the people power. That's right. George is harnessing it. <laughs> That's correct. Now, are you familiar with the term Potter's Field? Uh, no, like outside of anything to do with this film. Okay, so Potter's Field is actually a a term used for a pauper's grave or a common grave. Uh, uh, usually okay. it's where, you know, people are buried that, you know, you don't have anywhere else to put them. That's yes, what okay. Now, now that you mentioned it, I have heard the phrase and didn't realize that's what it was talking about. Okay. Yeah, it actually comes from a uh, biblical origin in the New Testament. Because it, it uh, comes from the word uh, akeldama, which means field of blood in Aramaic. Oh. And it, it, Judas, Judas Iscariot uh, suicide. And uh, basically they they used the coins that were paid to Judas for his identification of Jesus. Ah, okay. Yeah. And therefore the priests, uh, you know, have acquired it for the burial of strangers, criminals, and the poor. So the coins paid to Judas being considered blood money. Yes. So, I mean, that that's where the whole idea of, of a potter's field comes from. And, I mean, it's something – it, it was in uh, it's in Matthew. I mean, I've, I've never read the New Testament, so I couldn't really go – I can't really go into information about that because I don't really no, know I'm about saying, that. Wrong person if we're going to do that. <laughs> no, I'm definitely the wrong person to, to be doing with the New Testament. No. Yeah. And, but, um, no, I wonder if him being called Potter then is, a, is some kind of – is, is, is it alluding to that in some way, like a Judas kind of a thing? Um, it's very possible. Because he's, he's betraying his people. Um, is he betraying his – he's betraying everybody because he doesn't care. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. The, the, you know, he's a, he's a person who lives there. He's betraying everyone who lives around him. Well, does he live there, though? He's that rich. He probably doesn't. He probably lives out of town. No, I'm, I'm assuming – no, he actually – okay, this is something that, that, that you – if. Only when you do something minute by minute can you tell. So in ah. in one of the very first scenes of the movie, when the boys are skating on the ice pond, so you yeah. can see a sign saying uh, "Property of uh, of of H. Potter." Ah, there you go. So you know they were the, the the pond is right near his his estate. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. is that within the city limits of Medford Falls? I would assume it is. I'd think so. You wouldn't let your kids go too far out of the. Uh, well, that's one thing. And second thing is, is also he, you know, he is very involved in all the politics of Bedford Falls. If he was living somewhere mm. else, they wouldn't let him be so involved. Well, un- unfortunately, in England these days, it doesn't matter. They just they just bring in anyone from outside and try and get them to run things. And it's like, that's not going to work. That's uh-huh. a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> OK, could be. That that's basically how this uh, minute ends. Did you have anything else uh, you wanted to say about this minute before we get into today's segment? Uh, no, that's that's pretty much everything. I think we've we've touched on most of the uh, most of the key parts. Okay, great. So every Monday we have a segment called Capra Monday, where my guests will give their top five Frank Capra movies. So John, why don't you start with your number five and work your way up? Well, it's going to be very very short. <laughs> <laughs> Because, right, I'm going to shock you. You don't this have is five. The only, <laughs> this is the only one I've seen. Uh-huh. The only one. I look through the list. There's, there's like, I, I pride myself as a film person. So I'm, I am ashamed to say this because, you know, I've all, I've always known the name. Very famous name. I've heard of some of the other movies. Mr. Deed Goes to Town. Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Plural. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Heard of all these. And it dawned on me when I was looking through, like, I've only seen parodies of these movies. Oh, wow. I haven't watched them. And it's like, oh, now, though, maybe this will make me go and watch. Um, so th- this was legitimately, going through the IMDb, the only one. And because my knowledge of this era of Hollywood is a bit more limited um, than, than, I think my, my big knowledge really kicks in the 70s onwards, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and I do like certain, I've got quite a lot of um, the old universal horror movies, you know, like Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, things like that. But the, in between there to the 70s, it's like, nope. Oh, well, <laughs> okay, well, you, you have you have what to, 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 to try and, uh, you know, make up for. 
absolutely absolutely because they all look interesting when i'm when i'm checking them out here and i wasn't aware as a as a um history graduate with an affinity for war related things i didn't realize he made loads of like propaganda movies and stuff oh yeah so i'm like oh i've got to watch them out of curiosity now because i i find propaganda movies very interesting because you you have to view them through a certain lens yes and understand that what you're watching probably isn't true and that's fine because propaganda is not a dirty word necessarily but you know it, it's trying to put across a very specific message and as long as you're aware of what they're doing you can view it through that lens and see the historical kind of significance right so i want to i want to check them out and see okay. see what he's got to offer on you've, that front you've gotten it's, you've, it's weird you've got your homework directors out. doing that <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm going I might go for the two I mentioned just because they're the big ones, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington and things like that. I don't know if they're going to be the best ones, but I might as well get the big hitters out of the way first. Yes. I definitely recommend you do that. <laughs> I mean, I saw I saw the um I don't want to call it a remake. I saw the didn't Adam Sandler do a Mr. Deeds? Yes. Adam Sandler did a Mr. Deeds. I saw that. And, and Eddie Murphy did a a Mr. Smith uh, remake also. Oh, oh yeah, I think I might have seen the that. The distinguished actually. gentleman. Yeah. Oh God. See, that that's even more shameful. I've seen them too, and I haven't seen the real ones. There you go. Ugh. All right, John, you have you have you have your assignment. Uh, you know, before before you come back next season, <laughs> I won't make you do it <laughs> for the rest it. of this week. But you know, for the next. Uh... No, I'll go. I'll go watch them now. We'll pause for like eight hours while I go watch the movies. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll, we'll do that. We'll... <laughs> all right so do you want to tell people where they can find uh john parker yeah if you want to hear more of me for some stupid reason you can check out oh come on don't despair yourself <laughs> my main one i would probably say just because it's been going so bloody long is uh bat minute you, you can find all these just on all the social media or any anywhere you listen to podcasts so i've got bat minute where we do this same thing but with the batman movies uh, we've we've finished. Oh, we've done five films now, so we're we're gonna do a mini season, and then we're gonna gear up for a sixth proper one. Um, and I also have the podcast Hedvig Inch by Angry Inch. If you like rock and roll musicals, and I've uh, got loads of loads of cool guests on that. That's that's pretty much done now, with the only the occasional bonus episode popping up. So if you if you want one that you can sort of listen to and then be done with, yeah, go with that. And I've got another show, Miami Minutes which is doing this with the 80s, the lost 80s martial arts disaster Miami Connection, which was only discovered in the, uh, when, when was it discovered? Gee, I should know this. I'm blanking now because I'm on the spot. <laughs> Basically, it was made in the 80s and they found it about 15 years ago in a garage. <laughs> okay, that, that works. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, moveuropminute.com. So until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly did. Life with its sorrow, life with its tears. 